Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Dobry večer and welcome to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Dow. Good evening from Prague. I'm Pete Coleman. And I'm Travis Dow. On this evening's Destination Special on Bohemian Podcast, we focus on the beautiful town of Chesky Krumlov, one of the jewels of Southern Czech Republic. This town in Southern Bohemia is also on the UNESCO World Heritage Site, and it's on the road from Chesky Budovica all the way to Austria. And I had the pleasure of actually going down there last year and had a great time in this beautiful, beautiful ancient town. It is one of the more premier spots in the Czech Republic, right behind Prague, as far as a destination for many tourists, Travis. It's so close to Austria that I'll tell you the German name for the town, which is Krumau an der Moldau, or Burmish Krumau. And uh, that's, that's, where, that's where it gets its name, its name from, because Krumau is like a crooked bend. And if you ever go there, I mean, you'll see where it gets that name. I'll, I'll mention that in English it's called Krumlaw, which I've never, ever heard. So I think we don't really use that. But so the reason it's called Crooked Bend is to kind of paint you a picture. It's just this fairy tale kind of medieval village, but there's a sharp bend in the Vltava, and it's it's so sharp that it basically goes almost all the way around. And then there's there's where there's a tiny strip of land that goes into the bend. There's a canal. So in a way, it's like a complete circle of the river, like a like a moat almost. It, it right. is when you say fairy tale. I mean, it really goes right to that. Uh, there's so much to do in this small town. It is it is amazing. It's a very picturesque place, and there's so many things that you can do. You can actually get onto the Vltava River on these uh, these rafts, canoes, and tour mm -hmm. boats if you want to do that. Yep. And bicycling is is uh, is welcome there in the town. It's a pedestrian-friendly city, so there's hardly any vehicles that are allowed in the area. But that just means that there's a lot more parking uh, that you have to deal with on the outskirts of the town. So uh, when we talk about getting down there, as far as the destination information that you'll need, uh, just remember if you're if you're coming in from Prague, it's about a three-hour drive heading down, stopping along Pizek and then Chesky Budovica before you get down there. It's very close to Austria. And if you do drive, there are about three parking lot areas, A, B, and C, that surround the, the, the bend of the River of Latava that Travis talked about. They get filled up pretty quickly. So you really have to kind of manage your time. What I would advise, well, you can yeah. take a train or you can take a bus. Um, and, yep. and either way is, is a great way to do this so that you don't have to worry about the parking. And once you get off, you just start walking the town. It is uh, it's full of cobblestones and little hills and uh, a beautiful castle that is actually much bigger than you would think would belong for such a small town. Well, yeah, because so you got, you got this little tiny circle, and it's all cobblestones, like you say, all these old arches. And then 
the bank on the other side of the river just shoots straight up into a cliff. And then kind of perched on this cliff, really like a fairy tale. I mean, it's just crazy. Like from any part of the city, you can see the castle kind of nested on top of that, that mountain there. And it's just kind of overlooking the whole thing. It's, it's got an, an, or, an oriental motif, actually, to it uh, for a specific reason to, towards this tower and parts of the castle as well. So you, it, it adds a, a splash of color in this very lush green valley that's uh, uh, part of Chesky Krumlov. One of the places and destinations that I think you have to go to if you're in Bohemia, uh, you have to make this trip. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah. But it is drenched with history just like Prague. Oh, well, yeah, I would say if you go to one place in Bohemia, come to Prague. If you go to two... This is it. The history of Chesky Krumlov, you have to kind of surround yourself by several ruling families. And the first one would be the Rosenbergs. Uh, the Rosenbergs, um, the House of Rosenberg is, is, is known for their five-petaled rose flower that you might see on numerous things, of course, through Chesky Krumlov, but also here in Prague. They owned a great deal of the land. They were very close friends uh, with the Emperor Char uh, Rudolf II. They... Um, really shared courts with, with many rulers throughout the generations because they had the money, they had the influence, and uh, they also had the land. So they ruled from, from a good, good part of the time in the 13th century when uh, the castle was built uh, on the, on the pre prefaces of this, of this uh, Latava Bend. It is right there on top of a, of a small hill. And uh, when you do visit the castle, you're going to see uh, different generations of what different families had added mm -hmm. to the castle. So we have the House of Rosenberg. We have uh, the House of Ed Edinburgh. We also have the House of Schwarzenberg. All very wealthy, wealthy families. And Rudolf II bought it at one point, which I think we find a way in every podcast to sneak <laughs> we, his name in we, there. We do. He, he's very influential here, absolutely. Yeah, but he, like, he bought it from the Rosenbergs and gave it to his son. You had a, you had a story about... The Rosenbergs was it was it like kind of a kind of a ghost story, wasn't it? Yeah, well, that would be the White Lady of Chesky Krumlov, and that's it's a very interesting tale that's actually on uh, the Bohemian.com website. If you get get a chance to go to that under the Legends tab, you will see her. She actually leads that that page of our Czech legends. It's kind of a sad tale. Now, if, depending on where you go in Czech Republic, you're going to have probably about five or six legends of the white lady. <laughs> uh -huh. it's, it's, it's not uncommon to have a, a woman dressed in white uh, to be uh, basically uh, haunting a, a castle or an area because of an untimely demise. But this one has a, a lot of connection to, to maybe some historical fact. Her name was Perista von Rosenberg, and she had lived in a very difficult life following her arranged marriage to Jan von Lichtenstein, thus joining two very powerful families at the time. Now, John, uh, Jan von Lichtenstein was a widower, and when Pechtart moved to the Lichtenstein castle, she was harassed daily by her mother and sister-in-law. This, this was something where she came into a very unstable household. She did her duty, like most of these wealthy families uh, had expected for her to do, and she suffered through a very bad marriage at the hands of a very abusive husband. Upon his death, she was freed to return to her family, and she couldn't uh, wait a minute to get out of there and leave uh, Chesky, Chesky Krumlov Castle behind her. Though she was free from this hellish marriage, she, she wore a very, I don't know, slight smile on her face. All her subjects said that, you know, she, she could tell, you could tell that she was sad in the lines of her face. She wasn't yeah. as pretty as she once was because of the, the uh -huh. abuse. But she did manage to smile, so people kind of respected her strength in that sense. She was kind. She was a very kind woman and offered care to the poor and helped the sick and, and everyone in need. Um, but when she died at the age of 49, 
Many wept for her memory. You would think that's where the story ends, close the book, she was a great lady, move on, yeah. right? Okay, that's not really the case because her ghost still lives on. Uh, her ghostly figure that was draped in his white gown has been seen to this day in various castles throughout all of Bohemia that were once owned by the Rosenberg family. So there's the ghostly connection that there must be some kind of uh, connection to the Rosenbergs still with her and her her problem that she had. And uh, was it, what's the American one? Most Haunted, right? Yeah, look, the TV show? Or Ghost Hunters. Ghost Hunters, right. Ghost Hunters. They did an episode there. So I would uh, recommend to go go watch that for more more of the kind of ghost story things. Um, well, and, this, and she's a kindly ghost, by the way. Um, and she's out there to be very kind to anybody who comes across her. But it's one of those nice ghost tales that you hear from uh, maybe your tour guides uh, when you do take a tour of Chesky Cromwell. All right, so to, to uh, continue on with the history, um, we, we mentioned the Rosenbergs built it in the 13th century, and they built it kind of alongside the castle. So then in 1602, Rudolf II gave it to his son, like we mentioned. His name was Julius d'Austria. Then Emperor Ferdinand II gave it to the House of Eggenbergs. So that's how they got it. And then from 1719 to 1945, the castle belonged to the House of Schwarzenbergs. And we've mentioned Schwarzenbergs, tons of podcasts. He's, I mean, he ran for president. You know, oh, one, one of the election. descendants of the, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not, uh, not the that, guy that <laughs> bought it in 1719, but. He's, he's, he's along in age, but he's not that old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, well, he falls asleep at meetings and stuff. <laughs> um, the Schwarzenbergs had it until the end of World War II. Now, in, to kind of backtrack a little bit, in 1334, the king gave the Rosenbergs the go-ahead to settle Jews in the town. And so in 1336, they built a colony, kind of like a, like a quarter of town, like a Jewish ghetto. Uh, in in Chesky Krumlov. And you mentioned that, that some of those castles kind of piecemeal because from the 14th to 17th centuries, each, every family that owned it kind of built onto it. So it has, you know, Gothic parts, Renaissance park parts, Baroque styles. And you'll see that. Like the tower is one, like Baroque, and then some of the buildings are Renaissance. And it's just all just added on there. Um, I'll point out that uh, Hostel was filmed there, the movie Hostel. And it takes place in Bratislava, but it was filmed there. So, like, you see the arches. There's um, one part where the cliff drops off, and then you take this bridge that goes to the gardens, and it has all these arches. And at one point in the hostel, the guy is, like, getting chased by the bad guy and, you know, the evil Slovaks or whatever. And he runs by these arches, and I'm like, that's not Bratislava. I mean, no, it, and you, actually, you can just tell. We talk about it a little bit later on in the podcast tonight. Um, taking the tour of the castle, you'll, it's actually a covered walkway that connects, yeah. uh, that the kings basically wanted, in a sense, uh, or the royalty at the time wanted, because they didn't want to walk outside in the cold weather, and they could basically have this elevated tunnel, if you will, to connect them to the gardens and to the other parts of, of, of the premises from this steep incline that uh, this castle is built upon. So mm -hmm. uh, when you do go inside this covered walkway, it is a kind of a, a, a slow gradation from the top yeah. of the gardens all the way down to the castle itself. Uh, so very interesting and, uh, and a very neat castle in that sense. But Travis, you, you, mentioned, you mentioned the ideas of the families that, that were involved with this. Uh, can, you, can you tell us a little bit more about some of these families? We know a little bit about the Rosenbergs. Um, they, they were financiers of many campaigns in, in Bohemia uh, during many different reigns of, of the kings and, and emperors of Bohemia. But um, the, Eggen, the Eggenbergs were unique in this sense. They, they weren't long-lasting. They were kind of a drop in the bucket, a quick cup of, a cup of coffee, 
as far as the ruling of, of Chesky Krumlov. The families that, that ruled Chesky Krumlov more likely were the same ones that had such influence on ruling the entire length of Bohemia and Moravia because of mm -hmm. the money they had and the influence they had with the emperor or with the king. So it kind of went along with some other tracts of land that were very prestigious, kind of? Very, yeah. very much so. And, and I, I think that when you, when you look at their influence, um, you, you can definitely feel the power that they once had by just looking at the sheer opulence of this castle yeah. and well, the town. Well, like, uh, yeah, I mean, Schwarzenberg, his palace is right next to the Prague Castle. Well, one of many is right next to the Prague Castle. So, I mean, clearly, yeah, someone that had a lot of money and influence. Looking at the families, I think that you have to make, make a, a special note that these names are connected with the foundation of this town and how long this town uh, acted as, as a seat of power. Travis, what, what are some other things that would draw people to Chesky Kremlin, just besides the, the touring well, of walking around the town? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, again, the town is gorgeous itself. I mean, you just go there and kind of hit like 20 cafes and, you know, just sit in the sun all day. I mean, that's that's one thing you could do. But the, the castle is really large for a town that size, at least the size the town was before, like, you know, the part inside the river bend, because it's a huge castle. I mean, the castle's like almost as big as the town. It's just ginormous. Yeah, it's the, it's the second biggest castle after Prague Castle. It's huge. And Prague Castle's the biggest in the world. So it's, it's, it's a huge castle. But then um, you, we mentioned that bridge, the little covered, covered thing. And then there's that garden, which I don't think we, we really went into detail, but it's the beautiful Rococo garden which was obviously neglected under the communists, so for some almost 50 years, you know, 20, second half of the 20th century. But it's come back. It is gorgeous. It is beautiful. And it was included in the 96 World Monuments Watch by the World Monuments Fund. So it's, you know, it's, it's, it's got a huge fountain in the, in the middle of it. It's, you know, it was all reconstructed the way it was supposed to be. Another thing that the, that the garden has is two theaters. One of them is just an incredibly gorgeous Baroque theater. Is that, is that the one that you that, saw? That's the one I saw. Yeah. So that was built in the 17th century from 1680 to 1682 under Prince Johann Christian I. So that was in Egenberg. That was in right? Egenberg. Mm -hmm. And it was renovated with kind of modern, at the time, stage equipment under Josef Adam, which was a Schwarzenberg, okay? And that was like a, a, almost a century later, 1765, 66, something like that. And this is some of the oldest props and scenery that still exists. So from the 17, this 18th century stuff, that's still around. So it's, it's very fragile. They only use it some three times a year, and only two of those are open to the public. But you can see real seven or 18th century, you know, props, machinery, all those things. If you happen to catch one of the two a year, you know, and um, it's per the whole thing is performed in kind of simulated candlelight, so you get a feeling of what it would have been back then. No light bulbs. Well, they're light bulbs, but they're simulated. Maybe a similar know? experience when you go to England to see the Globe Theatre, the reconstruction of Shakespeare's you know, Globe Theatre. Yeah. Yeah, I would I'd imagine there's some, some similarities Except to that Except that probably similar, but the props in this case are the original The original props, ones, but, and that's, why you, but that's yeah, why you have to go see this. I bet it's a similar kind of feel to it, yeah. Um, so the last private owner was Adolf Schwarzenberg, okay? And it was in this theatre that President Edvard Benish gave him a large contribution 
because of the, the defense of Czechoslovakia against the growing threat of Nazi Germany. So Benish actually recognized Schwarzenberg's, uh, in this theater, he recognized, uh, you know, gave him some recognition that Schwarzenberg's were fighting the Nazis. This is why Schwarzenberg's got some of their stuff back, while Liechtenstein's did not. So this property and all Schwarzenberg property was seized by the Gestapo in 1940 and then confiscated by the Czechoslovak government in 45. Not given back, taken, and then later the communists take it. But there's another theater that is just as cool in, in some ways, and it's outside, it's round, uh, it's kind of open air, I think they can cover it somehow, but the whole thing revolves. So you're in the middle of this Rococo Park, and the whole theater, seats, stages, everything, moves around to adjust for natural outdoor lighting. So that the sun either isn't in the people's eyes, or so you have better lighting on the stage, just depending on, on what's going on. Uh, so yeah, I remember seeing this theater, and, and it's just round, and if there's not something playing there, you can just go buy ice cream there or whatever, like they just use the, it's kind of on this whole revolving platform, you can just buy drinks and ice cream or whatever. But yeah, it was really weird because you notice the whole platform, including the seats, are on this round thing. And, and I was kind of wondering about that until, uh, until I read about this, that the whole thing turns. Uh, again, a recommendation is if you get a travel organization together, you can probably uh, get, get the tickets ahead of time because they are hard to get if you just kind of stop on in. But some of the best festivals are known. One in particular is very well known throughout the Czech Republic. It's the Five-Petaled Rose Festival, which mm -hmm. uh, the name is derived from the Rosenberg Crest of the Five-Petal Red Rose. Uh, which is celebrated the weekend of summer solstice in June. Then you also have the International Music Festival in Chesky Krimalov, which is one of the, the summer's most uh, bigger cultural events. The festival begins in July and ends in August and features international music from very musical genres, and including blues and uh, classical, you, you name it, it's, uh, it's a wide variety. And then also I have to mention that there's a, uh, something that's relatively new in the past few years that happens in mid-August, uh, which is the, uh, the area local disabled persons organization sponsor an all-accessible day for people with mobility and visual impairments. Um, so they're able to kind of tackle this. Keep in mind, when you want to go to the castle, uh, if you're bringing somebody in a wheelchair, or if you're just going to walk it yourself, you are really hoofing it up a mountain, because, uh, yeah, which is very strange for most castles. Yeah. Um, You'll have a pretty steep incline in Prague Castle here, but uh, the the incline in Chesky Krumlov is is epic. I mean, you're just walking and you're actually having to hold on to railings and rope so that uh, you're leaning forward to uh, climb these hills. People in San Francisco would be, oh, I'm back at home. I mean, it's that that yeah, kind of idea yeah. of, of maybe going up Pacific Heights in, in, in San Fran because you're 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 really hoofing it up the hill. But it is well worth the, the effort on a hot day and during the summer to see this amazing city. If you really want to get more information, you might want to go down also to the uh, the main town square where there is a very modern tourist office that uh, will help you. People there are, are great with helping you trying to get where you need to be. And they're also stocked with 21st century modern conveniences such as computers. Uh, I used a few of those to, to figure out what I want to do for the course of the day. And buy, you can buy tickets right there so you don't have to wait in queue to talk to, to another living person. You can just could do it on the run. There is that kind of blend of 21st century technology from this 14th century town that you can, can use to uh, take a tour of the, of the city. But remember, you probably can't do all of it in one day. So if, if, you're, if you're inclined to, to put a little more structure in your visit to try to get as much out of it as you possibly can, you know, uh, either go through a, a tourist organization uh, that's going to set these things up, or you can personally go to the tourist office, get uh, the information to structure your day there so you can get a lot done from, 
from boating down the Latava and and you know uh, taking a raft to, to do a tour that way or having a tour of the of, of the uh, castle. But Travis, I know some people or, rather not have would not rather have so much structure. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, you can do what I do, which is show up not knowing anything about the town whatsoever. Go find a nice cafe by the river, looking at the castle, drink uh, Irish coffee or some such thing, and then wander like two street two houses down to the next place, enjoy a beer, and then wander. Eventually make your way up to the castle and then those Rococo in, gardens. In I a drunken a, stupor by the time you get to the castle? Uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe. Kind of roll up You can up go alcohol-free, folks, if you want um, to. But it's, the, the, let me tell you, the wine there is fantastic. Yeah. And the beer is there is I had, fantastic. Well, that was the th- well, I went like my first week I was in Bohemia. So I had to try things like uh, Bekarovka and Slivovitsa. I had a lot of catching up to do. A lot of things I didn't know. A lot of, lot of, uh, lot of booze to try. Um, th- but it's just gorgeous. I mean, there's all kinds of places that are right on the river. I mean, the whole thing's surrounded. But a lot of those is facing the castle. I, I stayed on a place, I think I paid like 30 euros. And there's a tiny little island um, in the river, and it's facing the castle. So, because you know, you cross a little tiny bridge, and then you're on a little little island within the island. And um, I mean, I think we paid 30 euros. They spoke German, not English, I think. But out the window, I was looking at the castle. Spent the night there, and then you know, kind of. Which this is great for a day trip. You don't need to spend the night. Chesky Krumlov is is a beautiful place. Be prepared in the summer to uh, battle the tourists. You'll have a lot, you have many of them there as well. So if you can find a nice quiet place in the, the, one of the many parks there, you yeah. can uh, you kind of decompress a little bit before you get back to uh, touring the town. So, you know, we want to thank you all for joining us on this des- special destination episode. We'll have several of these during the course of the year to give you an idea about what it's like to live in Czech Republic and actually go out exploring, which is one of my favorite hobbies besides living here is, is uh, exploring Czech Republic and uh, Greater Moravia and, and seeing what uh, this wonderful land has to offer. So we want to thank you all for joining us. We'll be back with you uh, shortly in the next two weeks. Thanks. You have been listening to the Bohemian Podcast with Pete Coleman and Travis Doe. Visit bohemican.com for more information on this episode, other episodes, and much more information about history, traditions, and culture in the Czech Republic. Find us on iTunes, subscribe, and review, and don't forget to rate us. We would love to hear from you. Send comments, ideas, and corrections on our comments page on bohemican.com. Or get in touch via Facebook or Twitter. Tune in to our sister podcast, History of Alchemy, which is also on iTunes or on historyofalchemy.com. Until next time on the Bohemican Podcast, thank you for listening. Ahoj and naskodanou! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 